You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, what's happening, everybody? It's Brian House here for the Work For It podcast. It is December 2020, we are closing out the year right here on the Makery Network. Real quick, just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor for today's show, which is Empire Abrasives. They are amazing ceramic 2x72 belt grinder uh, belts and flap discs and sandpaper and all shipped quick to your door. There is a link down in the show notes that will take you there so you can click through and get a work for it discount. Uh, right through our link. So go down into the show notes, click through, and get yourself some of the best abrasives in the industry. I am joined, as always, with my good friend and podcast host, co-host, Mr. Benjamin Butler from the Benjamin Butler Company. How you doing, Big Ben? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Well, I've been super busy. I'm doing all kinds of studio upgrades because I'm trying to increase my efficiency so that things like lighting and all kinds of other things are come easier and quicker. And I'm actually doing that using smart plugs, you know, those smart nice. plugs that we use on like the vacuum and everything. Yeah. So I'm turning, turning every little light I can into a smart light so that, awesome. and then also my overhead lights. I now have on a dimmer, so I can take those oh, down cool. like fifty percent. Yeah, you've it's, got uh, a big. A, um, go ahead. <laughs> you got a big photography light, don't you? Like right in the middle of the yeah. room that hangs above. I see that sometimes. Yeah, I have a uh, a six foot wide oh. uh, soft box that just hangs over the center of the room, and the thought on that was. Uh, I was inspired actually by Jocko because he uses one uh, yeah. and he uses one, I think on wheels on a C stand. So he like just rolls his around wherever he needs it. 
Um, I don't have the luxury of having a space big enough to warrant right. that like he does. Uh, <laughs> he has but, a small uh, town. I, yeah, he, he owns like this huge building. It's like, right. I, it's a, it's cavernous. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, he has to roll his around. So I just put mine in the center of the room and then I put all my, my gear on wheels so that I nice. can move my work underneath it. And then, you know, yeah. it, it works great. And then I've got softbox lights, lights on like another rolling cart. You'd be stupid surprised at how many different lights go into actually lighting a room properly. Yeah. It's, it, it's your, well, your lighting is always much. so spot on. It's like one of the first things I think I noticed about, your channel, much like Jocko's where I swear Jocko works in the dark all the time. Yeah. And, and I think in your, your last video with the vice install, it seemed pretty dark in there too, which I have to admit, I like to work that way. And people might think that that's just insane. Um, and I probably never would have if it wasn't for filming things, but there's something really different about it, you know, where the lights are down or you have very focused light, I guess. I'm a big romanticist. Like I like the concept of, you know, the work that I'm doing. I like to feel like I'm on a movie set, even though I'm not recording half the time. Sometimes I'll have, you know, my lights on like super bright. And if I need to see something very uh, small, you know, like I'm tapping something that's important and needs to be in a specific, you know, place. Other than that, I, I'm into big into key lighting and um, I actually, got some new lights magnet lights there everybody always asks me about this so I'll, I'll just mention them right now so there's so the i use these little gooseneck lights on my grinder i don't know if you've ever seen me like move like uh-huh. a little light and it's the you know they're like four inches long they're on a gooseneck they're magnetized the- they're made for sewing machines so okay. they're not really designed for workshop environment but they work great they don't fail i've yeah. only had one fail is that the um, clockwise tools one that you showed one time that was No, that's that stand? one is a uh, that the phone that I converted into a phone stand, but yeah, the, I, that is that actually um Yeah, that's actually a dial indicator holder. That's so ex- yeah, that is, okay. Yeah. Yep. A little stronger, yep. but uh these gooseneck lights I I got a new set uh, mailed to me uh, from some LED lighting company and they wanted me to try them out and they're really cool. They're like, um, the gooseneck is a little longer than the one I'm using now and Mm -hmm. the light turns on when you touch it. So it's, it's, you touch the head and it turns on and there's three different settings. So it can go, you know, dim, you know, less dim and then all the way up. Yep. So, uh, I've got, they sent me five of them. I don't, I don't know if I need five, but, um, <laughs> right. I, I kind of, I kind of like them because like, you, you can stick them to stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, oh my God. Yeah. So, but, uh, so lighting has been yeah. really the focus this week because I've been trying to, I'm going to push out a video by the end of the week, um, all about two by 72 belt grinder attachments. So nice. that's. Like, what can you attach to a 2x72 belt grinder, yeah. and where do I get those attachments? Oh, like, that'll be who, cool. Who do I buy? I'll, I'll be and curious. How, to, how they work. Yeah, I'll be yeah. curious to see that. I mean, it's, I, I, I've been honing in on it, to be honest. The whole belt 2x72 concept, I'm catching on. I, I'm like, oh, man, I could... You know, I I all I find so many more uses or, or potential uses. I'm like, oh, man, maybe I should. But... I'll have some other tools coming into the shop first, but lighting, I think what you're doing right to me, I, I, I've got to start moving that way as well, because 
if we can eliminate as many barriers to capturing footage, we can create more content, right? Which to me, like, that is a stumbling block, especially, especially in a small shop, <laughs> you know, right. where like I have to, um, well, number one, there just aren't that many angles I can shoot from. So it should be fairly easy to set up. Um, but I've never taken the time. I've got, you'll never believe this. I mean, compared to the, the photography and filming stuff that I think you probably have set up, I've got a $20 Amazon tripod that has gaffer tape on it and a microphone hanging from it that I forget to use half the time. And, (laughs) you know, so it's like same tripod, that tripod is awesome. It's a workhorse, man. It's it's a cheap hunk of crap. It's like a knockoff. Um, what is the real expensive tripod like, company? Oh. I can't think of the name of it. It's like an Italian yeah. company. Manfrotto it's or something. That. Manfrotto. Oh. That's it. Yeah. It's Manfrotto. And it's a knockoff of a Manfrotto uh, yep. tripod. But they're mine just, might even be cheaper than bucks. that one. Yeah. It's I mean, bad. I have two of them. Yeah. And then I've they're got, <laughs> just like six months ago, I busted one of the legs and so I took some PVC pipe that I had here, some one-inch PVC <laughs> pipe, and gaffer taped more more legs onto the damn thing. <laughs> so they're twenty dollars, Ben. Ben, they're I know. twenty dollars. <laughs> I know. Have you seen? Um, oh, who's the guy that makes the recycled skateboard stuff? Uh, ben Woby um, Woby Design. Designs. So he's got a set of plans for a camera and light. Uh, arm basically that you can make that and you could use it for a lot of things i think you know it'll hold anything but it's like one of those the best way i can explain is like one of those punching uh those boxing gloves on a spring thing you know yeah those bugs bunny ones where it's like crank it back and it clicks into place and then it fires off yeah yeah i think that would be accordion style something like that i thought about putting something on my ceiling with a swivel that I could, you know, that should cover my whole shop with lights and camera. Yeah, yeah, but. it would be kind of cool. I've thought about building something like that, but I have a, I have a tribe that twenty dollar tripod. I have it mounted to a rolling cart that I made, like a custom rolling cart. It's a two by two tube steel, and then it's got like an H frame that comes off the back that goes up about uh, seven feet. Oh, and at cool. the top of that, it has a like more light mounts, so I can put. Uh, softbox lighting on there and then wherever I need that thing I just roll it into place it's got an extension yeah. cord hooked up to it I f- mount my camera into the tripod shoot and fire go 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 it nice. just points light where I need it yeah nice um, it's it's not a hundred percent it's I wish it was smaller I wish there was a way to make it smaller but the footprint yeah. of a of a of a tripod is so it's big I mean it's like a four foot footprint so you really don't have much choice you have to kind of go that route and I've only got twelve open square feet on my floor, so sure. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't know how many places yeah, you would to need put something. <laughs> what would be kind of cool is for somebody like you, if you had a weighted, uh, for lack of a better term, fireman's pole that wasn't yeah. mounted on the top, and then you and that would reduce the size that you would need for the yep. f- footprint on the floor. And you could use uh, locking casters on the bottom of that weighted stand and then a pipe clamp that you could slide up and down. 
And what yeah. that would do is you could roll that all over your shop, slide it up and click it into place, shoot what you, you need go. to, slide it out of the way. And it's essentially smaller than a lamp. I mean, you'd be yep. able to, and then you could even get crazy and creative and maybe mount like um, uh, a light LED light on top or something yeah. just to give you a little more focused light. Uh, that could be kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too with like mounting to the ceiling is just not having to have that floor space occupied would be really nice, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's something I'm going to put on the docket. I've been wanting to pick up a, a good size softbox. I'm, I've made them, um, you know, just simple plywood so box. Cheap now. Yeah. yeah, I know. Now they're like 50, 60 bucks, even cheaper. And so it's time to time yeah, to pick up a... Yeah. Probably, I'll probably just pick up two is all I'd probably need. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you're interested, but I have a bunch here that I'm not using, so I could always mail <laughs> them out to you. They're just like hey. sitting in a box. Yeah, I'm they're down. a little dirty, but you could use them. Yeah, they're, and they're the, the kind that fold up into nothing. They like roll up into a small oh, cool. little bag. Because it's so, the, really uh, the bulb is the big the big gig in those, right? Yeah, the, um, the bulbs I use, I had a video go viral. Uh, on YouTube about LED lighting. So I started getting all these manufacturers sending me LED lights. Yeah. And, um, and they sent me these, like, have you seen those like garage? They're supposed to replace the bulb in your garage and you, you you thread it up and it's got like, it looks like something out of star Wars where the wings fold out and it's like aluminum. So they're expensive. They're like 50 bucks a pop. And this company sent me a whole bunch to, to like do a video on. And then, um, the first one I got was broken. The second one I got worked oh, for a man. while, but broke in half. Like the the whole thing just kind of fell apart. Yep. So I wrote them back and I was like, I'm not going to, if you, if yeah, you want like me a, to make a video about this, I'm going to make a video shit. about how much these suck. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and, and then, uh, they were like, well, just keep them. So what I ended up doing was <laughs> like, yeah, we don't want you to really make a video. Just, yeah. You know, that probably it. would hurt sales. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I, I fixed them. I rewired them. Cause when they broke, when one of them essentially fell apart inside of my softbox it ripped the wiring right out of it so um and granted i'm moving these things around and maybe that's not the intended purpose but i wasn't being like super violent with them i was just kind of doing my thing i uh so i took gorilla glue rewired them and then gorilla glued them all back together like just you know shoved a bunch of sealant and glue and stuff in there and they've held up ever since you nice. know, but they're yeah. initially from the fa- factory. They're not that great. So right. uh, I wouldn't go that route. I would go like a route of like a big uh, flood light, an LED flood yeah. light, uh, bulb or something. Big old halogen. Um, that could work. Well, halogens are hot. I see. The thing is, is I'm yeah, all about true. the LEDs now because of temperature. And um, you get and the, especially like, just so blocks. many different color choices too, right? Like oh, yeah. with LEDs. Oh, yeah. And that's, I, I don't know. A lot of folks miss that. I mi- heck, I missed that for a lot of years where <clears throat> I didn't realize how many different color temperatures the LEDs came in. I always had yeah. that. You know, we went through the compact fluorescent bulbs, <clears throat> found out that mercury doesn't, you know, really suit well for a, a landfill. <laughs> and then we yeah. moved moved to LED. And in that transition somewhere, you know, the CFL sucked because they needed to, to warm up. And then the LEDs... When they first came out, they were that very blue light, you know, just a bad temperature. But now, I don't know, there's a plumbing and electrical supply store five minutes from the house. And 
they just have everything. So it's always, I love going over there and checking it out. But that's all I bought. I bought two regular, what are they, what size, like the A19 or whatever size bulbs. It's a regular lamp size bulb. Bought two yep. of those, bought um, two uh, fixtures for, you know, single bulb fixtures, just the simple dollar 69 cent you know, light fixtures, a little bit of wire and a switch. And for about all of $8, you know, I've got a decent sized softbox. I don't know. I think I made it like 18 by 20 or something and put a nice. sheet over it. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. I'm into but, it. I think so- everybody should have a softbox if you're shooting content. And I, it's, yeah, there's no better way to diffuse light than a softbox, yeah. and, and you know, That's... like these big ones I have are just—they're simple. There's there's Velcro over white, yeah. uh, like a white sheet with Velcro on it, and they they go over just a frame, kind of like a tent. Yep. You know, it's like these little yeah. wires that come out, and they're relatively inexpensive, and they are game changer. I get a lot of people commenting about the quality of my lighting, it's and incredible. it's done with. Lit, lit, like maybe a hundred dollars worth of led lights and soft boxes yep. so it's it's you know over the years it's sort of morphed into what it is now which is a little bit more advanced but um yeah the, the six foot soft box above my head that was pretty expensive i think I, i've got like 400 bucks invested in that because i needed sure. 200 watts to, oh. to fill that thing filled yeah. with light and then it's also remoted so i can remote remotely adjust the color temperature number one Ooh. that's kind of cool and the amount of light that's coming out of it. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. It was it's, worth it. And I think too, from even, even if you don't shoot content, right. Just paying better attention to your lighting. <clears throat> I was shooting some video, some stuff the other day, um, trying to get a, a few things banked up for the holidays. Cause I know I won't have the time that I do now then. Um, but talking about sanding, Right. And if you're sanding wood or sanding metal for that matter, having the right light when you do it makes such a big difference. If you take a, a flashlight, even just a cheap flashlight and shine it sort of horizontally at what you're sanding, it's amazing. It's almost frightening how much more, you know, how many more imperfections you see on the surface or pigtail swirl marks or, you know, just how good you're getting on your hand sand or even an, an orbital sanding or whatever. It's amazing. That low raking light just makes it pop. So I think folks maybe don't pay attention to light as much as they could. And it's kind of cool. Especially with knife bevels. Like when you're working on your yeah. grinder, the shadow, if you can position your light in the right way, it can determine whether or not your piece of steel is perpendicular or par- I should say parallel to the parallel. to the platen. Yeah. Because you want it to you want it to be if you if you're cockeyed a little bit, you're gonna get grooves. So it's like a big problem mm-hmm. a lot of knife makers have is that they get these low areas, these low spots in their in yeah. their knives and and they're like, I don't know why. And it's like you're not hitting that platen at per uh, p- parallel uh to the to the platen. Up. Yep, yeah, that makes sense. Up. Yeah, light's definitely a, a key component. That's why they call it key lighting, I think. Key I, there's lighting. There's a name for it, right? Yeah, key light. Yeah. So are you ready for this? I got my uh, replacement induction forge I in the mail. I actually had that on my list of things to ask you. We hadn't talked about it this week. 
And this one was worse than the one they sent no! me before. This is <laughs> oh, like a fucking shot to the heart. <laughs> they shipped this, and I'm not kidding you. The first oh. one came in a wooden crate, and I should have oh. just kept that one because right. this one is way worse. So oh. I wrote, you know, they sent it in a cardboard box, and it Lord. looked like it, and no, nothing on the inside. Cardboard box, no, no padding. Really? Nothing. And this is all like sensitive electronics. In, in, you know. So when I pick the box up, I can hear <sighs> rattling on the inside no. of it. And I'm just you like, know, you we went from me. fucking foam peanuts in everything, right? Like every shipment you got yeah. had foam peanuts like jumping out of the fucking package. And then we <laughs> went to like peanuts. the the ones made out of cornstarch that you could eat. And right. now it's like, no, well, yeah, I guess we'll save... We'll save the earth somehow. <laughs> save it from foam peanuts. But I man, guess. they should I have mean, something I, in there. There's nothing in there. So now I'm, <sighs> you know, sending this one back. I, I had to stand yeah. in line at FedEx, you know, because it's the holidays. Oh yeah, it's just oh. a huge waste of my time. This this whole thing. If it, I think I'm. If this one doesn't work out, that's it. I'm gonna go. Yeah, another direction. I don't know. Pull the plug. But uh, yeah, that that was a. It came in this morning. It was super dis. I was super disappointed. So I'm just like, <sighs> I'm so ready to try this thing. But uh, yeah, and then report. What's back the? On it. What's the? What What would be? I mean, just thinking about fabricating one. What's the hardest part? Like the the intelligence of it, them. or uh, you know, I don't know. I like I know the, that you know you the brain box. The, or... Yeah, you can buy the induction components all yeah. by themselves, and it's like relatively inexpensive. This one is a 15 kilowatt uh, version, so it's uh, you know beefier. And, and honestly, I don't have time for another project, so I was just like, you know what? Yeah. I can go and buy one and offset yep. the time I'll invest, you know, yep. in uh, building one. Which building one might be the the other option I take, but. Uh, you know, it's the same thing we talked to last week. I mentioned Dino from Kuro's Carpentry with his vac pads, right? Simple, simple design, simple construction, arguably an easy project. But to put all the pieces together to find the right fittings, same with your belt grinder, right? You know, it's to find all that shit and put it all together, who the hell has time for that? You know, I'm, I'm sometimes with you. Yeah. you just got to go, you got to go with the guy that's already done it. And to, in my mind, it's what's your time worth? Move. Even if you're going to the, 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 uh, the store to buy, um, to buy hardware, you know, yeah, that there's, yeah. there's like that whole piece of it where you're like, well, I could buy all the pieces and parts from Brian for 90 bucks, or I can save myself $10 and go find it all myself. And, and ultimately, you won't even save yourself that money now because no. the, the cost of this hardware has gone up. And, and I've d- done a ton of work to try to reduce my overhead to keep the pricing the same so I don't have yeah. to increase the prices, um, especially with COVID and all the things going on there. So I'm like just... When people go, oh, it's 90 bucks for a bag of bolts. I'm like, it's not a bag of bolts. It's a bag it's of a many bolts. It's 63 pieces, including knobs. And knobs are really expensive. I mean, yeah. I, I can't even yes. tell you. Each knob is so expensive for McMaster. And they're yep. specific. They do specific things. So you have to have, you know, the right knobs. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I actually had, um, I had thought, um, about, talking about i should say talking about the press project that i'm 
uh, leaning mm-hmm. into. Are you familiar with what I was? I don't know yep. if we talked about this or not, but the no, Forge I've watched Press your videos project. and stuff and listening to the show in the past as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know what a Forge Press is? It's essentially yep. a, a, a big machine that has so many tons, X amount of tons of pressure that you can use for forging. Uh, a lot of guys heat up steel, make hammers, and they use it to make Damascus. It's a much quieter, a uh, little less, uh, um, you know, violent version of a of a um, a power hammer. Right. So I decided to really dive into what that looks like, and Ooh. you know, start working on the diagrams and then drawing it up in CAD. Uh, and you know, I, there's not a lot of resources out there. You there's yeah. threads in like some bladesmithing forums that I'm kind of scraping together concepts and ideas. There's one thread in particular, the guy actually lists out some of the pieces that he used. Okay. And then, um, so I started putting it all together and I went to, um, a hydraulics company and I just said, Hey, I want you guys to be in with me on this. Would you be willing to, you know, give me the the pieces to make this happen? And then yeah. we would work out some sort of deal when I put the plan set out there. Maybe the the end user can just go right to you and buy a kit, like buy the yep. kit, not the actual I beam and all that. It'd be too heavy to ship. Sure, but um, but you know, like all the hydraulics, hoses like and all the hydraulic components, yeah, and hoses, and- fittings, the 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 um, the lever, which is the um, the the piece, the the valve that controls the thing up and down, the tank, yeah. the the ram. They sell everything. I mean, you yeah. can you can literally buy every single piece of this from them. But I would do all the legwork, and then they would create yeah. it. And I think I think they're Ooh. on board. Nice. So, so then you would, would come happen- up with a design for the the machine, so to speak. They they have the guts that you could buy, and yeah, yeah, similar yeah, to so, yeah, just like the bench, yeah, the belt grinder. It, yeah, exactly. It's a belt grinder, but I wouldn't sell any parts for this right. because it doesn't make any sense it's too heavy all this the gear so the the concept here is that you would be able to buy the kit assemble it and then go get your own i-beam and a few pieces of like one inch steel there's like a handful of things in the plan set i would create dxf files if you wanted to cut some of those pieces uh, out like your motor mount and you know the um the the pieces that hold the uh the ram in place and some mm-hmm. of the tie bracketry and stuff. and stuff like that yeah, yeah yeah that way it makes it simple um and then so i did the cost comparison you know if you want to go buy a forge press of this caliber you're looking at 7 to 10,000 dollars and i think yeah. we can build one for like maybe 2500 so oh that's sweet yeah so I think I think and this project is going to get off the ground. That's awesome. What I love about it too, you know, I've seen other similar efforts. Like there's the MP CNC, the mostly printed CNC, which is um, a series of DXFs and other files that you can 3D print, right? So you literally have a 3D printer running for like 36 or 72 hours to make all these freaking parts. And then you buy some stepper motors and you buy a router and you buy all this other shit. You put it all together. And in the end, in that case, you're creating a highly precise instrument 
right? With with a, a press project, you're creating something that just fucking crushes shit. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, like it's not that complicated. Like the, yeah, the potential, you know, for somebody to do a cost benefit on it and go like, yeah, I'll pay twenty five hundred bucks to make my own incredibly precise and accurate CNC machine versus I'm going to build something to crush stuff. I'm going to take the chance on the thing that crushes stuff, you know? (laughs) Right. And and the thing with working with hydraulics is, and I've never have done this before, but you know, if you do it wrong, you can hurt yourself. (laughs) So you really need to make sure you pay attention to what you're doing. And if you buy the the kit... Yeah, then Go it's kind of then the concept's proven, right? And that that's the other right. big thing is there's a lot of, you know, for a while I considered building my own big disc sander. Um, I see several guys online that have really large disc sanders, you know, like twenty to twenty four inch across. Um, and there's just something I I like a disc sander, you know, a stationary disc sander for sanding uh, boxes or you know different things like that. And I probably would have built one if there were more resources out there or other guys that have proven the concept, you know. But I start looking around yeah. at some of the like commercially available ones, and you know, there's more steel on those damn things. Like it just it started getting me thinking, like, man, if I put this fucking thing together, I could seriously hurt myself if this goes wrong. <laughs> you yeah, know? right. Yeah, a big spinning 24-inch disc wheel. (laughs) Yeah, like that gives you just enough pause to go, oh, fuck it. Unless somebody like you builds a press like that and says, hey, look, I'm not killing myself. I may never take the jump. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, sometimes all it takes is to see somebody else doing it, and then they they can go off and do it on their own. The Dissander project is something I want to tackle, actually. So at some point, because the motor and the VFD is the same for the Revolution. So you would use the same style, everything. So all the wiring would be figured out. We would just have to figure out, okay, how do do you get a disc made that's that big? You know, those those discs That's the tricky thing. Super expensive, yeah, to make those and make them affordably. Because the motor yes. mount and all that is easy. There's nothing to that. I mean, it's no. a face mount motor. And it, yep. I mean, the disc itself is probably aluminum, I assume. That's what I, most of them are made of now. I don't know what some of the older ones are, were made of, but nowadays, every disc center I've ever looked at has a, a metal or a aluminum plate. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting to think if you go back in time, you know, 100 years or more where everything was run off of a single powerhouse with flat belts going around, uh, you know, crazy, dangerous environment. But you don't see that same concept playing out today, right? Like a single motor that can control multiple things. Um, I think it'd be a really interesting thing to explore, is it the shopsmith that you were talking about last episode that is like a jointer and a table saw and a lathe and, you know, all these things all in one tool? Um, but depending on if tools are co-located, you know, you could maybe power a damn disc sander off of the same motor as a belt grinder, you know, and uh, who knows what else. <laughs> like yeah, it's really neat. just a spinning motor. You're right. And yeah. uh, there's a guy that did what you're describing with a, with a two by 72. 
he actually turned his drive wheel into a disc sander as well. Oh, so you, yeah. You know, yeah. So if you can imagine the drive wheel that's connected yep. directly to the motor also has like a, a plate attached to it that yep. he puts sandpaper on and, you know, he can grind. Bob's and then there's uncle. also, I think Broadbeck Ironworks makes a buffer. I don't know if it's the same attachment, but they make an attachment that's uh, also a disc sander. It's not quite as big as what you're talking about. Yeah. But you could do what you're describing with a grind with a two by seventy two belt grinder, make using the same concept that I use to make the uh, buffing wheel attachment. Yeah, if you can imagine. Hell, you could. It's you same. You could have it turn a drill, you know, and and now you've got a drill press attachment if you if you, you wanted could. to get extreme. Because you know. the whole thing turns 90 degrees. So now yeah. you have a spinning flat plate in front of you or, right. a, you know, a drill. I don't know if you could do a drill press because you would have to somehow you'd have to move the quill. But yeah. you could do a stationary press of some kind. I don't know. There's all yeah. kinds of ideas you could add to there the is. grinder, which is which is like it's an endless amount of things to think about. But uh, I try to think no, no. in terms of what problems are most people having in their workshops and how do we solve that? And then also when you take the problem into consideration, let's just use your example for a disc grinder. We would also say that one of your major problems is square footage. So like you would need a yeah. tool that would be able to do all of these things and, but be modular. So it would be able right. to, um, you know, move, uh, you know, changed attachments. And then those attachments would, so the machine itself would be stationary. And then all the attachments you just swap out as you go. Yeah. That to me is super attractive because there's not a lot of tools out there anymore that do that. They're all there in single use. Yeah. We've gone to the, 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 we've gone from multi-use to single use and, and, that, and that's, that is every time I put a tool in the shop, right? That's my biggest consideration. And I would argue that it's also my biggest problem because the tools that can't do more than one thing, like that's what's really chewing up my space right now, you know, is just the oddball, the small little bandsaw and the 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 dinky little Harbor Freight belt and disc sander, you know, and those things just eat up space. And, and you don't think about it, I guess, as that because the tool itself is small. You know, it's a little six inch disc grinder and what is it? A, I don't know, 36 inch belt on that thing. Um, so it's not that big of a tool, but where it sits and how much room you need around it to operate it, that's a space suck, you know? So I've been going through and, uh, uh, and, and trying to figure out, I've got like four shop carts in a shop that's under 500 square feet. And I said, the other day, I was like, I've got tools on carts that I can't move, you know, <laughs> like, and I got nowhere to move the damn cart to. So what the hell am I doing with all these carts? You know, it's like, I just kind of woke up to that. And uh, so it's interesting. I've been really thinking about unitaskers versus multitaskers. And I've got some really big tools in my shop. I've got a full-size cabinet table saw with a 52-inch top. You know, that's eating up a lot of space. But the number of things I can do on that thing are infinite, you know. Um, so that's, I don't know, it's interesting to look at a shop in that regard. I think we get so caught up in buying the next new shiny object or the next, you know, the 
the, the, the tool lust of the month or the year or whatever it is. But sometimes it's, it's hard to think about where it fits in a grand scheme, you know? Yeah. You want that tool and then it, then it sits in the corner and it's used twice a year. Yeah. It's using up valuable space. That was like that rolling table I had. I would uh-huh. just get so frustrated with the size of that thing. And uh, yeah, it's funny because somebody wrote in somebody that's not like a regular follower, but they're like a YouTube, you know, somebody that's, you know, basically a troll. Somebody that's yeah. trolling me all the time. Um, wrote in and like was criticizing my welding table because it was only a two by four welding table. They're like that is so impractical. Uh, it, it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it it needs it needs to be. Um, uh, four by eight in order for it to be uh, useful and all this stuff. What? And I'm just like, you obviously don't listen to the podcast because I would bitch about this all the time. About yeah. How much I hated having that huge table in here and just took up way too much space. But, uh, and I get it. If you're a fabricator, you want, and you have a big off or a big uh, workspace where you can uh, yeah. utilize a table that big. Four by eight makes a ton of sense. I'm not sure. doing railings. I'm not doing huge projects where I need that much room yeah. i'm tacking together prototyping i'm doing small things so uh but this person is constantly uh always you know, on your ass always yeah. on my yeah this doesn't make sense and you know whatever uh, like, okay you know I, I i've gotten to the point um and and i don't i don't get trolls uh really i wouldn't call troll you know fo- and i wouldn't say that folks troll me but i think that's the difference between instagram and youtube quite frankly big time yeah um but one thing I do get every time I make some kind of a post that has to deal with a small shop, you know, like oh, small shop issues, I get the I get the the ever present, oh man, you really need a bigger shop. I can't believe how small your shop is. And it's like, you know what? I think I I think my opinion on small shops has been formed out of that because I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. I can do a lot of stuff in this little shop. I have done yeah. a lot of shit in this little shop and I'll continue to, damn it. <laughs> and it makes you creative too. You get like kind of that crazy sense of like, I need to do something. I, yep. I don't think I could go any smaller than where like my space is right now, but if uh, if I could go a little bigger, like I think I yeah. could double the space and it would be fine. And it's because oh, yeah. I like to shoot, you know, these long shots where, you know, the, where it's mostly because I need camera angles. Yes. I don't really truly need this much room for working and making things. I need but. this much room to move my camera around so I can, you know, get that great angle on whatever. And, and that yep. to me matters. But, um, I was joking right, so- with. Go ahead. Really quick. I was joking with Steven, the wood pastor, last night, I think it was, from the Maker Life podcast. And Great podcast. He, re- he, made a, he made a cabinet, like, I don't know if it was six, seven, eight foot across, a ba- basically a bank of cabinets, and got it to the install and found out that it was too damn big. <laughs> <laughs> So did you tell him your story about how yours was too big? Yeah, I said, man, yeah, I know a little bit about that. What is it with you guys? (laughs) It's too big. (laughs) You know, we all have our own problems. But I said, you know, that's the great thing about a small shop. My fucking shop's not big enough to build something that large, so I'd never have that problem. (laughs) I, I, I don't know who it was, but they told this story. It was on a podcast somewhere where they had made a desk for somebody and the guy wanted it modified 
and uh, it was either too long or they needed something cut out for a shelf or something underneath. And it was in this real expensive high rent district in, um, I think, New York or somewhere. And he Mm -hmm. drove into the city to take care of this modification because this guy was like, I I really need it to be, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever. And he goes into this guy's office and he had to drill a few holes and make a cut. And what he didn't realize was the amount of dust that he was creating when he did this. This is a corporate (laughs) office. Right. And he had done it in after hours. Right. Like the AC picks uh, it up. (laughs) Yeah. And and he said that his entire office was just covered in sawdust (laughs) and he had no vacuum because, you know, he like had to take a cab. Oh, I remember this this story. I can't remember who it was. uh, Oh, uh, Chris Sepp on. um, That's it. It must have been Chris On Handmade Podcast. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. And he's like, like, I didn't think about the dust that it would create, you know? And (laughs) I'm just like, man, wow. I I do. I could admit that I would do this the exact same thing. I would show yeah. up, no vacuum, no broom, no nothing. Right. And I would do the exact same thing. I, I, I think he blamed shoe. that on somebody else in the end. I think that's I think the he end. Said he did. I think that's or the punchline. Yeah, right. I think he said he just left. He didn't <laughs> even like, say anything. Yeah. Yeah. See ya. And then and then the guy never actually said anything to him right. about it later, which well, I you know, was kind of funny. Unfortunately, um there I think there's enough guys that would just leave that uh that, that, that the reputation's already out there quote. right yeah, and the exactly. expectation <laughs> i've had so many shitty contractors in my day <laughs> right it's like i i don't even know man i it like now nothing surprises me at right all. like exactly uh, but uh but hey all right so we, right. we are halfway through the show and i want to get to the meat and potatoes uh, get it. Let's get to the meat and potatoes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Have you heard about the Makery Network? The Makery Network has a drinking game where if you hear my voice do the <laughs> announcer voice, drink, you drink, must drink. drink. That's right. Let's get drink. ready to drink. It's in the middle of my work day. I can't really drink, so I'm right? just going to make uh, everyone else drink. Um, but, I saw uh, that last night. That's awesome. It's that easy. Drink again. Drink, <laughs> drink again. again. But yes, I, I love this concept. Here's one thing I love about Craig. He's always thinking about stuff mm-hmm. like this, and he's putting together fun stuff to kind of tie all the shows together, which I really like. And um and and just so in case people aren't fully aware, that takes a lot of mind work and a lot of energy to do stuff like that. He's busy enough, but the fact that Hell, he comes he's just going to listen concepts, to all the shows too. <laughs> he does. He listens to shows. He edits them. Like he puts all the yeah. music in the front and the back. He tags them all. Like the whole thing. And now yeah. we're doing advertising. There, he's making all the media buys for all the advertising. I mean, the guy's incredible. Really, he's he's what he's. Working for it. That's right. Yeah. Craig Lockwood of the Chop Knives. He's out there every day working for the Makery Network. It's Drink. that easy. Drink. <laughs> Drink again. <laughs> <laughs> I did a read for a um for a speedway in my town. Mm. And the joke was is like what has 48 teeth? And 32 legs, and it's the front row at the Rockford Speedway. That was like the, the biggest <laughs> nice. joke, um, because you know it, it it wasn't known for its uh, high class clientele. But right. um, 
<laughs> I just remember the last line of uh, the ad I thought was so funny. And this is like a classic line that a lot of these Speedway places use. And it's like, all right, you ready? I'm going to do it right now. Here we go. $20 gets you the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge. <laughs> right. <laughs> I beg to differ. I've been to the Rocket right, Speedway yeah. numerous times, and I used the you're, whole seat. It's gross and dirty as it was. Yeah, You're yeah. ready to get the hell out of there. You're only going to need the edge. Hot Who merging is it, um, action. Bob Claggett on the Making It podcast. He clears his voice like constantly on the show. Okay. And okay. every time he does... I think he's going to break into the Maker Knife promo, for, you know, Jocko whatever's Maker Knife promo, because that's how that video starts. It's like, yes. <clears throat> and then he starts into it. So every time I'm like, whoa, oh, shit. Nope, just Bob clearing his voice. Just Bob. <laughs> I think Jimmy mentioned it on the last episode, and I was like, I'm not the only one. <laughs> uh, yeah, he hears it too. Yeah, exactly. It's all the little nuances of these people that we get uh, tied into. And we're hearing all the little things because now we're recording a podcast. So it's like, okay, we hear all these things. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, you know, a lot of people think this is easy. It's not easy. You got to work for it. That's it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. So we reached out to you guys. Yeah. What are you guys making? What gifts do you make as a maker for the people that you love? And we got some really thoughtful, amazing responses to this. Um, all right, so here we go. Um, Sean, my buddy Sean, over crafting a life I want. He said he makes knives, custom axe handles, cutting boards. And in the past, he made a leather and canvas backpack for Dustin over at the Art of Craftsmanship and a leather quiver. Now, real Dustin's quick. Dustin's a lucky man. I got, I'm got. i going to tell that's you. That's the way I look. I was like, dude. <laughs> Holy cow. I don't have any friends that make me anything other than annoyed. But right. um, <laughs> the 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 thing, the fact of the matter is those guys are really close. But I don't know if you saw the um, last Art of Craftsmanship video that was just pushed out, the Hickory Bow. I watched and it last night. Incredible. It is. I So I messaged uh, Dustin midway through the build. And I'm like, dude, I'm getting tired just watching you do this because right. he makes it all by hand. And mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't caught that one, go out and watch it. It's so amazing to watch the process. I did not understand how they got the tensioning right. And he shows that the, yeah. the device that he made to, with the scale yep. to measure how many pounds per inch you have yeah. to use to pull. It, it's just fascinating that you can do that with wood. So go out and watch it. Really it. It's it's an amazing piece. And um and and we appreciate you guys over at the Art of Craftsmanship because you're doing amazing work. Uh, all right, JF, JF Knife Company says this year he made a PVC bow and arrow set for his youngest, uh, handstand canes for the middle one, and a fixed blade for the oldest. Great feeling giving them all handmade gifts this year. Not something I would have been confident enough to do last year. So that, to me, is That's awesome. Dude, bro. That to get, I know your kids probably won't appreciate them as much when they're little, but when they're older, those will be things that they cherish. And I, yeah. I actually want to check that uh, that guy's feet out because uh-huh. I want to see how Me he too. made that bow and arrow. I'm, I'm I do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. J G C Cutlery says I used to do a lot of hardwood cutting boards and butcher blocks. I started out woodworking and loved it. 
once I got caught up on my orders, I planned to dabble back into it. Yeah, me too. That's something I actually really nice. want to get back into is making cutting boards. And I actually had this concept for making a knife and a cutting board that kind of nest together, you know, like Ooh, you could slide the blade cool. into it. Yeah. Yeah. The bearded beer man says helping my son make a steel base for his sister's gaming computer to get it up off the floor for cooling purposes. That's a cool gift. Um, nice. Yeah, I make stuff like that all the time, just real quick, like pop welds right. together, make like that, that card I was telling you do. about. And yeah, yep. it's, it's easy. Uh, Bent Llama says, secretly working on some portraits of deceased loved ones that should make the recipients cry. Happy tears fuel my holiday joy. That's unbelievable. I didn't know Nate yeah. could paint, actually. Um, I wasn't aware that he was a painter, and huh. I would love to see your work, Nate. When you yeah. uh, get that done, make sure you put it up on Instagram and tag me because I want to see it. That's my buddy Farshit. Oh yeah, I've dude. Never been able to do painting. Right? Painting, man. I can do I'm, like um, I'm a, I'm great with a Jackson Pollock. You know, I can right, throw the right. paint on a, <laughs> yeah. on a canvas. It doesn't look as good as what he did. Yeah, I can definitely do I that. Cannot paint. Farshid, my buddy Farshid, who lives in uh, Iran, he says, if I lived in Florida, I would make a beautiful Japanese sword for Brian and give it to him as a gift. That's a really nice thing to do, Farshid. Heck yeah. I would actually love a Japanese sword made by you. I think that would be really neat. Um, all right. Shots by Greg. He likes to make leather goods, and he tags a company called Ego Leather Goods. And if you click through on that tag, um, they got some cool stuff. So go check them out. Oh, nice. Ego oh, leather yeah, goods. Ego Leather Goods. I've not heard of them. Cool. Me neither. Um, Orzos Anthony says, I make custom titanium dog tags, cap lifters, oyster knives, and other tools, all of which are perfect gifts. <laughs> now, I'm curious, uh, Anthony, maybe you could clarify this. When you say titanium dog tags, do you mean actual dog tags for dogs collars or do you mean like or, uh military tags because I, I yeah. i'd be interested in both actually those those for sound sure. amazing huh. rafter cool. d knives says this year i made a chess board and some cutting boards also making a knife stand soon um chess board here's here's a tip Tough for anybody one. doing woodworking right now who can make chess boards there's a TV show on Netflix or somewhere called um, The Queen's Gambit. Mm. And it's insanely popular right now. And it is going to boom the chessboard industry. I think this there is going to be a trend that if you're making handmade anything, you should be making chessboards right now because you, you would be able to sell the living shit out of them um, because of this show. So Nice. I've heard of that show. Yeah, In fact, Queen's my wife Gambit. was telling me I had to watch it, I think. We now have like a chessboard on our dining room table because of it. So. Uh -huh. yeah, chess is a good is. game. Chess is a good game. It's I'm not very good at it, but you know, I, I really enjoy playing it. Mm -hmm. Ben's Bite says... Probably nothing in the past. He's given out pens and rehandled kitchen knives, but Ben is super busy. He's got two kids, and uh, he's also he does a lot of rehandles, rehandling right now. He just opened his books yeah. back up, and he makes the best octagonal hand. His handle work is 
insane. It's amazing. Go check him out. Ben's Bites. Uh, Brian Cone Knives, B. Cone Knives, says, I'm giving a few Damascus, Damascus knives away this year. Quit. Uh, quite a few of my customers are uh, giving B. Cone Knives cutlery this holiday season, and I hope that you and your family stay safe this winter, Mr. Housework. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, Brian. Um, I'm watching Brian on YouTube and on Instagram go down mm-hmm. his Damascus journey. So if you want to check him out, he's worth watching. He's another one of those guys that, that uh, we need to bring up in the what's hot uh, category for the show. I was checking his stuff out show. last night. I agree. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's like really working hard for it. I mean, he's yeah. making content, making blades. He's he's like legit diving in headfirst. Um and and I am proud to say that I am friends with him. So that's that's a cool thing. Um Ian Moz says, I don't think I'll be making anything this year. Possibly not sure if I'll make the time for it. If I do though, it's hooks made from stabilizer end links that I've salvaged from work. That's cool. That would be kind of a cool yeah. gift. He works for Honda. So he's oh, cool. got stuff that he can repurpose, which I really like. Aaron mm-hmm. Local 38. I just started making knives three months ago. So guess what my family's getting for Christmas this year? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see a better way to get into to get some good practice. That is absolutely the truth. Make a shit yep. ton of mediocre knives and then give them away because that's the best way to learn. Mm-hmm. Avatar Forge says, in the past, I've made copper flower bouquets for my girlfriend at the time and also a couple of forged keychains, cheesy romantic stuff. And I've also made a bunch of knives throughout the years for other family members and friends. I have people that ask me all the time, will you make me a knife? And I most of the time say no, because uh, I, you know, it takes me forever to get the quality that I like. Yeah. Um, my mom is one of those people who is always asking <laughs> me to make that. Like, and she's like, you got to make me a knife. I'm like, uh, yeah, Man, I'm not, not there things? yet. I still, I still have a lot of quality <laughs> control issues. And right. I'm still working on those. So I give a lot of that knives away or I throw a lot of knives away. I have a drawer yeah. full of knife shaped objects. Nice. Um, all right. That's it. Yeah. That's it for the, for the, the, actually we have a bunch on Facebook, but we're going to run out of time. If I go to Facebook, Facebook was like, a bunch of comments as well over there, but um, I think we should move into the what's hot category. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, by the way, since we brought up um, Kuros cabinetry or Kuros carpet, mm-hmm. what, what is the name of his place? Kuros, uh, Kuros carpentry, I think. Kuros carpentry. He messaged yep. me because he listened to the podcast and kind nice. of shouted him out. And um, I'm going to end up getting some of those vac pads. We're going to do a test oh, run nice. on uh, the for knife making, you know, just to see if, you know, and he thinks. It yeah, he's, he's got some ideas he was telling me. It, oh, it's great. I mean, his his stuff is fantastic and couldn't be a nicer guy, too, which I really like. So um, go check yeah. him out and get look at his vac pads if you haven't seen what we're talking about or listen to the, the podcast previous to this one because we go into depth on that and we talk quite a bit about it. But um, so who's in your who's hot category this week? Do you have who's anybody? Hot? Who's hot? You just came back on to the radar. Uh, Lucky Bob Woodcraft. Oh, Lucky and Bob. Is a fun. It's Luke and Matt, a five-year-old woodworker and his dad living the dream. <laughs> no and it's kidding. awesome. It's, I have, uh, so Matt is the dad. And Luke is the son. 
and they are just a hoot to watch. And he, he gets, uh, you know, he gets his son involved in almost every project it seems. Um, and I didn't know that at one point in time, and I think he's getting back into it, but he was into knife making. And so, no kidding. Um, yeah, they just, uh, he recently talked about a knife that he made, uh, in a post. And, uh, he says, we've been watching a lot of Forge and Fire on Netflix. I dug out a few blades that I started a million years ago and never finished. Uh, and his son helped put the handle on this one and learn how to straighten it. So now, so now it's his. You know, regular five-year-old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. I, I like the father-son aspect of things. I think it's uh, neat to watch people do work with their kids. And if their kids are really engaged in it, then it becomes yeah. a um, – it, it's, it's more of less like a family-type deal where you see the dad kind of teaching the kid and it puts you in the position of one or the other. I don't know which one is better, but I, uh, the way I look at it is it's kind of like, I think people, when they watch me and Dexter work together, it reminds them of when they worked with their father and sharing, you know, that, that time, uh, with your kids, it's just super important. So, uh, especially it's super important to pass on, uh, the skills of making things, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we don't, a lot of, there's a lot of deadbeat dads out there. There's a lot of people that are not, are no shows in numerous, uh, numerous ways. Um, and that's the thing about, um, it, it, that's the thing about when you share content like that, you, I always get concerned, like I'm having my kids on YouTube and I don't know if that's the good thing or I bad know. thing or whatever and yeah. uh, whatever, but it, what it does is it inspires, what I found is it inspires other dads to yep. also do the same thing, to bring their yeah. kids into their workshop. And it's important, I think. And it so. doesn't take much. You know, that's that's what I always tell folks is say yes more than you, than you put up an excuse. You know, your kid's going to come up with an idea to make something that you know damn well is never going to meet your perfection expectation or or any of that. Hell, it might not even work. But just say yes and go out and try to build the damn thing. You know, like yep. some of the most fun that my boys and I have had in this shop have been projects just like that, where Jack's like, I want to try to build a – he wanted to try to make a swivel – holder for his shield, you know, that he could hang on his back. And I'm like, dude, sure. I have no idea where to even start. He's like, come on, let's just try it. I'm like, sure. We spent the whole yeah, day. Those, those you are know? your words, by the way, because he's yeah. heard you say that to him, you know, like, yeah. hey, let's just and give it a try. That rubs off. And like I tell uh, at the maker club I run at their school, I tell the kids on like the first day or the first week, I say, your job at maker club is to fail. Every test you take in this school, you have to pass and everybody wants to get you an A. I want to see you fail because that means that you've come up with an idea, you've tried it and it didn't work. And now you can come up with the next one. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's that simple. We just iterate until it works. There's nothing you can't build. It's just how many times does it take? You know, how many tries does it take? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Say yes more. I think uh, there's like a famous uh, quote out there in a, somewhere where it says, I've failed more times than you've tried. And, right. Or, or you know, uh, that, and to me, that's like the sign of somebody who's got grit and w- wants to go and figure something out. The movers and the shakers are the people that don't give up. Um, right. All right. So real quick, because we're going to run out of time. We have a very small window today to record. But um, this particular gentleman was just on the Full Blast podcast with uh, Jeff Fader. Uh, His name is Don Nguyen, and uh, he's a knife maker. Uh, Super interesting guy, and he makes YouTube videos, and he's trying to build his YouTube audience. I think he has a big following on Instagram, but his YouTube side Mm -hmm. is really lacking. So if you go out and I'll put a link down in the show notes for both of these uh, these uh, recommendations, both Ben's and mine. But Don, his um, his approach is really interesting. His YouTube videos are very educational, and uh, you can learn something from his design. His concepts for design aesthetics, I think, is what's really important here. When you look at his work, it's very very distinct. Um, and I nice. uh, yeah, love watching him work on, yeah, I love watching him work. And so, uh, Don, and it's spelled, uh, N G U Y E N knives, Don Wynn, uh, I believe is how nice. it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, and his, yeah, his, his work is super clean, phenomenal. He's been, you know, he's gotten some notoriety in the knife making world, but I, you know, YouTube, he's trying to build his audience. So I think it's yeah. uh, important that we support him in that in that process. And he's making content regularly. You know, he's uploading say, like yeah. three or four videos a, a month. So he's got a good, like you said, a, a good uh, Instagram following, but but not so much YouTube. And yeah, what's man, he at on looks Instagram? Looks like a younger guy, forty four k, forty four thousand. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. on YouTube, but you know, he's got under five. Okay, yeah. So he's right. He really that's, needs some help there. That's that weird juxtaposition. I was, I was just gonna say that, depending on when you started Instagram, you know the numbers can be a little skewed. So I started late <laughs> in the game, and I've earned every one of my twenty three hundred right? followers. I'll tell Man. you, I, it is insanely hard to get uh, traction on Instagram now. Oh, today these days, so hard, so yeah. hard to get it, and I think. It's going to end up being to the detriment of of Instagram of, yeah. at some point here. People are just gonna, we're people are gonna leave. <laughs> you know, I'm with you. I don't know. I I like the community there. I mean, that's the I thing. love it. I get way love better it. engagement than on YouTube. Um, yep. No trolls. I haven't heart. I haven't had one negative experience there. I haven't had people just be mean mm-hmm. or whatever on Instagram. I think there's there's something to be said about that, but. Uh, Listen, Ben, it's time to end the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Work For It podcast. I'm Brian House, your host, and Ben Jammin Butler from the Benjamin Butler Company. We have enjoyed podcasting with you right here (laughs) on the Makery Network. We appreciate you as always. I don't know when to stop doing my voice. <laughs> right, when do you, when do you Wait. Break. <laughs> Does this count as one or two versions of drink, the, the drinking game? Right. Uh, I, it's I, weird because you don't have like the, 
You don't have the outro music to key off of. Like, when do I quit I've, talking I've thought like about this, doing that. This, yeah, like this. I thought, because I can pump the music into my computer and back into the feed. Yeah. But okay. I don't know. I think that I'm not that coordinated. I, I can right? barely like, do, I can barely do all this shit, let alone add music <laughs> right. and whatever else to it. I'm just like, I got, I got to just lean on Craig a little bit for this stuff. No doubt. But, uh, no doubt. but Hey, listen, Ben, it was great hanging out with you. I got to run because I got a thing and I know you got a thing. So, yeah, buddy. um, listen, we'll talk next week. All right. Yeah. Work for it. All right, baby. Work for it. Thanks so much everybody for listening in. We'll see you on the next episode. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.